You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. So today we're moving on to the next phase of our accidental sermon series. And I say accidental, uh, as Brian mentioned last week, um, because we didn't have this series at all in mind or in in the plan. Uh, But sometimes the Holy Spirit of God speaks so strongly and so uh, with such certainty that you have it, it resonates so deeply, and if you're a leader, you have to just pause and realize that we need to press into this further, and that's really where uh, we were as a teaching team. Um, and so we're we're in the second part of this series now. Uh, so we we decided to ditch the plan, and because uh, our our plan is uh, is is just a guide, but. Um, but God had different plans, so that's cool. We'll go with him. I mean, he's, he tends to be, you know, right. Um, but, um, but yeah, so we're pressing into identity. That's what we've been pressing into, and uh, particularly three different facets of identity or three different um, pieces of identity that we need to examine if we are believers in Jesus. And, uh, and so um, the first one is, which we have already wrapped up, is who I am. And what we mean by that is who I am as a follower of Jesus. We've been talking about our identity as a, as a follower of Jesus. Um, in our individual identity in Jesus and, and today, we're beginning the second phase of this identity series, and, and this is, so we talked about who I am, but let's backtrack a minute and talk about who he is. And what we mean by who he is, is who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus that we've heard so much about This is the section we're beginning today. We want to spend some time getting to know who this Jesus really is. The Jesus that so many of us here love and follow. And if you don't follow Jesus or and you don't identify as a Christian, that is completely okay. That is completely okay. We're thankful that you took the risk to be here today. Like, we're just grateful you're here. And so in this section of the series, we're going to spend the next several weeks, like, kind of looking at who Jesus actually is. Because people say a lot of things about Jesus, and some of them are true and some of them are not. So let's spend some time looking at who he actually is, right? And then the final section, um, we'll examine who we are who we are as the church, right? And, uh, but that, that will be for another day. Um, today, we're launching into who he is. And we'll begin in the book of Luke, if you want to go ahead and turn there. Um, but first, I wonder, how many of us in the room have faced rejection? Just Raise your hand if you faced rejection. And mine's up not just for show, but for real rejection. <laughs> um, we've all, you know, most of us, whether it be a job, 
that we really wanted, that we interviewed for, or we asked someone out on a date and they said no, like Angelica did to Jeff the first time. Um, <laughs> right? Or maybe, or maybe it's, you know, like, that we've all faced some sort of rejection, like uh, maybe it's that you tried out for a sports team and didn't make it, or, you know, there are all kinds of ways that we can be rejected in life, right? And, and I'm, I'm sure all of us have been rejected at one time or another, uh, but maybe there's been a time in your life because of circumstances you felt like maybe God has rejected you and is punishing you um, you know, for some reason, maybe you don't know what it is, but you feel like, man, God, won't you just let up on me? Like, like, why are you rejecting me? Why are you punishing me? Did, have I done things that bad? And, and, and you know, I, I don't know where you're at in your personal life, but I just want to tell you that if you're there, if you're in that spot right now, it's not true. It's not true. There is a God in heaven who loves you, no, no matter what you do, nothing can stop his love for you. And, you know, while, while I want to validate your pain that you're in, the, the pain that we feel is real, but I want to assure you it's not because God doesn't love you. He's not out to get you. Um, God hasn't rejected you. In fact, he sent his only son to die on, uh, for your and my sins on, on a cross. And, and while Jesus, God's son, was on earth, even he faced rejection. Let's go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 4. And let me just bring you very quickly up to speed of what's happened so far in Luke by the time we reach chapter 4. Um, in the book of Luke, chapter 1 describes the foretelling of John the Baptist and Jesus, and in chapter 2 recounts the events of the birth of Jesus. And a personal favorite of mine in, in uh, chapter 2 is Jesus being presented in the, in the temple to old Simeon, you know, who just takes such great joy in, in meeting the baby Jesus. And and in chapter 2 also skips forward to Jesus as a 12-year-old, right? Um, and he pulls a Kevin McAllister, right? He's a 12-year-old, and he pulls a Kevin McAllister, and he stays in the temple courts after his parents have left, right? They've begun the journey home, right? And um, they're, they're with all their relatives, and they don't quite notice that Jesus isn't with them. So Jesus is home alone. Well, he's not home. After realizing this and returning to the temple in Jerusalem, they didn't find Jesus uh, fending off home invaders with ropes and paint cans. No, they, they found him sitting in the temple courts with the teachers, listening to them and asking questions, asking questions, right? And, and even then, people were amazed and astounded at his understanding and the questions that he would ask and his knowledge about Scripture. And the, and the book of Luke goes on 
to give us the most details about all of these events, right? And in chapter 3, introduces us to the adult John the Baptist, who was a wild man and uh, was calling people to being baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. Eventually, John the Baptist would baptize Jesus himself. And uh, as he was in Luke 3, 21 through 22, it says this, as Jesus was baptized, it said, the heavens, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Then we arrive at Luke chapter 4. And the first half of chapter 4 is uh, an account of Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. During which time he was tempted by the devil. And uh, we did a teaching series on this back in September of last year. It's still on our podcast. If you want to check it out, it's still up there. Um, And I feel like our teaching team did a really great job on that one. So I I would highly encourage you to check it out. But towards the end of Jesus's 40-day fast in the wilderness, Satan comes to taunt Jesus and asks him to prove himself as the son of God three different times. Yes, three. Um, Satan said to Jesus, If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And then he comes back again and says, bow down and worship me. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth if you do. Right. And then the third time, prove you are the son of God by throwing yourself off the highest point of the temple. Because, you know, God will send his angels to catch you. Right. And what do you notice about these three temptations? Each time the devil is questioning a piece of Jesus's identity, each time the devil is questioning his identity and Jesus secure in his identity as the son of God, but still weakened in human form, responds all three times and resists temptation by quoting scripture. After the three rejections, the devil left him, right? And Jesus was ready to begin his ministry. I think it's interesting that Jesus didn't begin his ministry, like his public ministry, until one, he had been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, and two, had um, been tempted. I think that's fascinating because basically that's a really good example for us, right? Like, Yeah, I found that fascinating. Anyways, Luke chapter 4, verses 14, finds Jesus returning to his hometown. And this account uh, we're about to read um, happens earlier in the book of Luke than some of the other gospel timelines, but it also gives us the most details about about this account. And so I want to read this. Um, So let's check out um, Luke Chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. And I'm going to be reading it from the NIV. So Luke chapter 4, 14 through 30. We'll have it on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. That's important. That's important. Through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you do, you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there were sev- uh, was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. But to a widow in the region of Sidon, there were many ways in Israel or And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet. Yet no one, not one of them was cleansed. Only Nahum, the (laughs) the Syrian, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through them, walked right through the crowd, and went on his way. That got serious, right? That wasn't just like, you know, giving a message and then, you know, amen and going on. You know, like Jesus, um, that got serious really fast. Um, What does this passage teach us about who Jesus is? I think one thing it very clearly shows us about Jesus, uh, about who he is, is that Jesus knows rejection. Like, I think sometimes we like to think of Jesus like set apart from the human experience. But Jesus, not only being fully God, but fully man, experienced the fullness of humanity. He knew rejection. This was Jesus' hometown. He probably knew everybody in the synagogue, right, that he was in. After all, this is where he grew up since he was a boy. 
Now, there are tons of instances where a hometown boy or girl makes good, right? Maybe they uh, make it to a local professional sports team or they win some kind of prestigious award and are recognized and everyone in their hometown is so proud of them and brags about them every, uh, to everyone they know. That is until the award-winning young person says something that the people in their hometown don't like. Or until they get traded to the town's rival team, right? Like the Padres, for me. (laughs) That was for Deanna. Um, (laughs) Until the young person gets traded to the town's rival team, right? Then because the town had ownership, had, had, had like, they felt ownership in this kid, they bitterly turn against them sometimes, right? I think we've all seen it play out that way, especially if you watch any kind of sports, right? And, and so what did Jesus say that was so bad that his own hometown, like, rejected him? Well, let's take a closer look. Uh, Jesus is in the synagogue, as he often was, and apparently... It was his time to read during the order of service, and and the scroll of Isaiah was handed to him, and he unrolled it until it came to a certain place, and it's a piece of scripture found in Isaiah 61, and uh, it it says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is making some bold claims about himself right here. He he said, um, you know, this this, uh, scripture, this prophecy is fulfilled and you're hearing this. From me, He's making some bold claims about himself. He's basically saying in no uncertain terms that, hey, you know who you've read about in Isaiah? You know the Savior that you've been waiting for? That's me. And this prophecy has come to pass now that I've shared this with you, right? But Jesus saying all this wasn't like all of that part wasn't what the crowd got upset about. Even though those were bold claims, Jesus saying all this wasn't what upset the crowd in his hometown. It was the next part, and admittedly, it can be a little confusing. It can be a little confusing, but I'll try to explain it really clearly. All spoke well of him after he quoted Isaiah 61 and and, uh, said it was fulfilled in, in your hearing this of me. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, Don't uh, do here in your hometown what uh, what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, he continued. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. What Jesus said about the prophecy of Isaiah wasn't surprising to anyone because, like I said earlier and pointed out, people were talking. 
People were talking about this Jesus. They had heard about him and what happened at his baptism, right? They had heard about the miracles he had done in other places. And and Jesus is like, I know you're going to ask me to do these things here to prove to you what you have heard and, and basically just for your entertainment. So you can say so he's saying, so you can say that the hometown boy has made good. You want me to do these things. Physician, heal yourself. Do the things that you have done other places here so we can see and you can prove it. And we can say the hometown boy made good, right? Jesus said, but I can't do that. Jesus goes on to list examples where God had not healed or provided for people Um, the people of Israel through the Old Testament prophets, but had healed and provided for other people. Sometimes they're enemies, right? Jesus is like, I'm not here for your entertainment. And the captives I've come to set free are not only in Israel, but even the captives of the people you despise. This is what the people in the synagogue got all up in arms about. This is what set them in a rage. The hometown boy wasn't behaving the way they thought he should, right? So let's look again at their response to this in verses 28 and 30. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up drove him out of town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Jesus was so confident in his identity in God that he wasn't willing to turn his role as Savior into something that entertained people even if it was a hometown crowd, which is like the most fun shows to be a part of, right? (laughs) I think it would be a good question for the North American church to ask ourselves if we have ever been tempted to turn our faith into a spectacle or show or something that's for entertainment. I think each church would have to answer that for themselves, and I'm not pointing any fingers, but the fact remains, Jesus is unwavering in the fact of, in the face, rather, of rejection. He knew who he was, and even though the people were rejecting him and about to throw him off a cliff, he stayed true to his identity, and somehow he was able to pass right through them and go on his way. The fact remains that Jesus was unwavering in the face of rejection, so much so that he was rejected all the way to a road of suffering that would end in his death on a cross. So changing gears just a little bit, Jesus shows us about being steadfast, even in the face of rejection. But this, also, this account also helps us 
understand our tendency to reject others. When people didn't like what Jesus had to say, rather than ask questions, rather than try to start a dialogue, they tried to push him off a cliff. And I'm sad to say, not a lot has changed in the church. We're not people who tend to lean into questions and dialogue when they don't agree with our narrative. And I think that's really sad. I think that is, is what has driven to a lot of believers into deconstruction, which means questioning their faith. Because they're not, it's not cool to ask questions. And if you have questions, you must not have enough faith. I think it's really sad. I think church should be a safe place to ask questions and to bring your doubts. Because if you can't hear in church, where can you? Where can you start a dialogue about something you, you don't understand? There are a lot of reasons that people are leaving the church faster now than ever. But I think a lot of it has to do with this issue. There are a lot of reasons for people leaving, but one of the main reasons surrounding this is the issue of dialogue, I think. There are a lot of leaders out there pretending like they have all the answers. And if you question them, you're not only wrong, but you don't have enough faith. But on the flip side of that is true. When a leader says something that people uh, don't agree with, a lot of times rather than ask for clarification or questions or start up a dialogue, one of two things happens. Either the person disappears from the church without saying a word, or people will try to push the leader off a cliff. And thankfully, that's only happened to me a handful of times. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, we are not going to agree on everything. That's just, that's impossible. We're not going to agree on everything. But are there foundational pieces that we can agree on? There are those. And everything outside of that, we can talk about. We can dialogue. And we can ask questions. I certainly don't have the answers. I don't think I've ever given anybody that impression in my life that I have all the answers. My wife is laughing very loudly and it's hurting my feelings. <laughs> I just want to say just a couple of more things to people who may be in a spot where they're feeling where they don't understand where God is in their circumstances. As the worship team comes, I just want to say that um, I don't want to diminish in any way the pain that you feel because the pain you feel is real. Circumstances are, 
are heavy sometimes. But Jesus will never reject you. The pain of rejection on, on the earth and here in our lives is very, very real. And I love Jesus' example here of not when it comes to his identity in, in God, him being the son of God, and him proclaiming the things that God has sent him to do, he was unwavering in the face of rejection. And I think there are ways that we can do that as, as Christ followers as well, and not in aggression or talking down to people, I think there are ways that we can stand firm in our faith in the face of rejection, just like Jesus did. But you may be in a place right now where your circumstances have made you feel rejected. And I just want to say it again. Jesus will never reject you. It's, it doesn't matter what you've done or how far you've gone. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter the depth of your sin or whatever, nothing is beyond the reach of Jesus' grace for anyone who accepts it. Nothing is beyond the reach of Jesus' love and affection for anyone who will accept it. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and, I, and you will find rest for your soul. And in 1 John, it says this, If we claim to have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our, us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. I just, as I was putting together the last pieces of this message this morning, I just heard that phrase from Jesus, come to me, come to me. I want to pray now, and um, I want to pray for anyone specifically who's having a hard time right now. Maybe it's rejection, maybe it's something else. But Father God, I lift my family to you, those in my family who are having a hard time right now. Lord, maybe they're feeling rejected by you because of their circumstances, Lord. I pray that you would reveal in a new way your love for them today. Not this week, 
Not in 24 hours from now, Lord, right now, today. Father, I pray for believers who have taken on burdens that are not theirs to carry. Lord, I pray that they would come to you. lay down their burdens and take up your yoke. I pray that for myself, Lord. God, help us as believers to do better at welcoming questions. Help us as believers to to be open to dialogue and not count any misunderstandings or questions as uh, an offense. Father, I pray that you would help us to do better as your church. Not just here at the mission, but Lord, your church worldwide. Father, it's these things that we bring to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We ask you, Father, to to just... um, Deepen your love on our lives, God, today, Lord. At least, I don't know if your love can get any deeper for us, but I ask, Lord, that our awareness of your love would sink in deeper. Each and every one of us here today, despite who wins the Super Bowl, in Jesus' name, (laughs) amen. You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.